Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. It's David Summers, and it's another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Let's get back into the ring. Let's step back into time. Wall-to-wall, treetop tall with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. Hey, Ron, how's life in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee? Oh, man, it's wonderful. Uh, got a few storms yesterday. Uh, end of the day, kind of remind me of being in Florida, down there in the Panhandle, man. Uh, but uh, still uh, beautiful today. Back beautiful again. And now uh, lots of crowd here. People are showing up, my man. It's that time of year, I guess. You know, the Smoky Rain Mountains, from- the most visited national park probably in the world certainly in the u.s and so one of the most popular places ever you picked a great spot though absolutely beautiful yeah it's really pretty man uh it's been really nice being here man enjoying it oh uh, good deal all right so ron listen these last stud cast have been absolutely amazing this one has a very short title that i have a feeling maybe a much longer story today. Is that going to be the case? Well, you know, during the month of May alone, man, in 1979, in the southeastern Gulf Coast Territory, uh, the Hulk, he'd, he had proven his drawing power in a very short period of time. Uh, he wrestled Andre the Giant on Friday, May the 4th, for the first time in his young career. And exactly three weeks later on Friday, May the 25th, 1979, which we're going to be talking about this match in this studcast, he's going to get into the ring with the NWA world champion in one of the two huge Harley race matches that uh, was actually, uh, and this one was actually totally unscheduled. Wow. All right. So I'm sure no one else in wrestling history, and correct me if I'm wrong, ever accomplished that feat. Wrestling both Andre the Giant and the NWA World Champion in their first couple of months in the ring. That's one of the things that make your stud cast really unique. All the great talent, you give the opportunity to shine early on in their careers and then went on to be Hall of Fame wrestlers. So I'm sure there was just as much happening in the Knoxville territory at the same time. Yeah, well, you're right about that, Matt. At the same time, down there, uh, you know, up in the southeast, uh, Knoxville, I was dealing basically with a trader man in, in charge of my wrestlers. And uh, he had yet to show his true colors for what he was at this point. Uh, plus, uh, because of Bob Roop's insistence, and that's who I'm speaking of, 
I was getting into the ring with Harley Race in another huge match for the second time in six days. <laughs> I'm sure that's why you've titled this this studcast. This is number 299. Phenomenal. Number 299. Can you believe that? The title is Two Huge Harley Matches. Two Huge Harley Matches. That's the title. Those two matches you mentioned in the title, Ron, happened back-to-back two nights in a row. You the first night and the Hulk the next night. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something, man, uh, with this one. Uh, make a uh, This one I'd like to make a special tribute from me to Harley. Uh, reliving all of the history of these two matches in particular. Mm-hmm. And we're going to reveal the, both of them in this studcast. I'm going to spend this entire studcast on these two back-to-back matches, both of which had historic significance. You know, one of my favorite things about these studcasts is how you've told stories of meeting up with wrestling Harley Race, the private moments backstage, the payoff where you two would embrace and the big hug, and then you split up to until you see each other again, probably in the ring. So, man, those stories are absolutely legendary. Now, this, it really sounds like a change of the normal format, what we're going to do here today. You've never done this before. You are only one episode away from number 300, the 300th Studcast, each one an hour or more long. I think Harley would have been really pleased to play such a big part in getting you to this 300th Studcast, which will happen next week. So what a special tribute to him. So how do you get this thing started? Where do we ride first today? Well, I'm going to start this one off, man, with the first of those two back-to-back Harley Race matches. It's in the last week of May 1979. The first was on a Thursday night, May the 24th. I was against Harley in an extremely rare non-championship match. Didn't happen very often. You had an NWA champ, and he didn't defend the belt. But uh, this one was going to be a Texas death match between me and Harley. And uh, I'm going to announce the entire card, but the focus is going to be on the Harley match uh, throughout this program, two of them in particular. And we're only one stud cast away from finally finding out about the upcoming Knoxville War. So in the second half of this stud cast, we're going to take a deep dive into Southeastern Gulf Coast match that was scheduled to be me against Harley for the NWA World Championship. But it turned out to be something very different. Uh, this event was going to completely change the direction of that Southeastern Gulf Coast territory. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, Dave, uh, we might get another <laughs> another shot at a learning tree question in this one. <laughs> I haven't had one in a while. I haven't gotten there because we've just uh, been so loaded with history, man. It has been a while. So, hey, that would be nice, Dad. We'll see if that works out. This one sounds like a lot of wrestling history and a lot of fun as well. So how about that? Who was on that Knoxville card? The Knoxville card for May 24th, 1979, a Thursday night card only six days after your world title match with the legendary Harley Race. Well, I want to remind everyone that this match only happened because Bob Root basically come to my house and visited me, gave me a list of things that he thought was wrong and money being stolen and all kinds of things. And then he assisted upon me uh, having a, we had two dates with uh, back-to-back with Harley Race on a Thursday night and the following Friday of having me, Russell Harley, in both of those. 
And uh, so I pushed for Ronnie Garvin to at least get one of those two Harley matches, if not both of them, in that six-day period of time. So knowing that, you know, uh, knowing then, now what I didn't know then, I think Roop wanted to see both cards fail at the box office. As part of his progress, it was in his plan was in progress already to try and steal the Southeastern Territory. And uh, he could then use those small crowds to convince more of the wrestling crew, the guys that were in that crew there, that I had insisted upon getting both matches because of my huge ego. And, uh, and then it was going to be all of my fault uh, that they lost a lot of money in those houses. <laughs> so I thought he was all wrong about it. Uh, you know, uh, for me to take both those title matches or both those matches and, uh, you know, and telling him to book the first one. So I took, I, I went ahead and took the bait basically, you know, because I, I kind of wanted to show him that he was probably wrong about it, not doing as well as he is, uh, is what he was going to do. So telling him, you know, I told him to book the first one as an NWA world title match. And then six days later, book the second one as a Texas death match. And then the last stud cast, Harley and I had that first May match of 1979. That's the one that was for the championship. And it was one of the most brutal world title matches in history, I think. Uh, a very rare match uh, with a rare ending. A newspaper the next day in Knoxville uh, printed the story, and uh, they said that the match was stopped because it was so bloody. And uh, and it was. Wow, it was a really, really bloody match. And it was also called in the newspaper the next day, one of the largest crowds for a sports event in the history of the Knoxville Coliseum. Uh, and I had definitely won round one of the battle between me and Roop over the size of the crowd. Is this going to be a success or a failure? Because uh, Ronnie Garvin didn't get that match, and and, uh, and I, I was kind of pushed into taking it. So it turned out to be the second highest grossing crowd in Southeastern wrestling history. And he and his four future partners had to be extremely disappointed about that. So the following here, uh, we'll get to the card. It's for the second uh, match between Arlie and I mm -hmm. in six days. And that was on a very unusual Thursday night. Bad enough to come back maybe a week later. But when you come back just six days later and you're not on a weekend, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and you're on a Thursday night, I didn't even expect it to draw very well myself. I thought, wow, this is, this is going to be really tough. Mm -hmm. So the opening match on this card was a tag match. It was Dr. D, David Schultz, who had just finished in the Gulf Coast Territory down in the south there. And uh, he had been there for 14 months. He was one of the guys in the original crew that went there. He lasted the longest before he actually left to go to another territory. And we just sent him up to Knoxville. So he's teamed up with another guy that was down there in the Gulf Coast when we started that territory in uh, March of 1978, Eddie Mansfield. So it was Eddie Mansfield and Dr. D, David Schultz against Ken Lucas and Terry Gibbs. And there was a return match for the Friday before for the United States Junior Heavyweight Championship belt. Kevin Sullivan had beaten Mike Gramford on the Friday night before, which was the world title match between me and Harley. And, uh, you know, uh, Ken, Mike Graham came out of the Florida Territory. And uh, so they were wrestling again, a return match for the belt. 
Then there was a Southeastern Tag Championship match. Crusher Blackwell and Dick Slater were taking on the champions, Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr. Uh, then the next match was for the Southeastern Championship. A new champion, uh, Russian, that had just come the week before, named Alexis Smirnoff, who was going to be managed in this event by Great Malenko, was defending against the guy that he had won the title from six days earlier, Ronnie Garvin. And then there was a world title match on this card, the fabulous Moolah wow. defending her belt against Winona Littleheart. And the main event was me versus the NWA world champion, Harley Race, in a Texas death match. All right, so that's a, a pretty good card, despite what maybe you say the, those four were hoping for. That's a really good card. Six matches, four championship matches, won a world title match, and you versus Harley in a Texas death match. But there was a huge difference between an event on a Thursday night compared to a weekend night, like a Friday. Was this not a raised prices night like the Friday night before? Well, that's a good question, Dave. Uh, no, it wasn't, actually. You know, uh, simply because Harley was not defending his world title. Couldn't hardly raise the prices if it wasn't going to be a championship match. And it was less than a week between the two events. Uh, you know, so uh, two two times with the champion back-to-back in six days. It was a very difficult situation for a wrestling company to make a success out of that type of an arrangement. Mm, so since since it's a very different type of stud cast, this one, how do you how do you want to go from here? How do we proceed? Well, we're not to, we're not going to talk about the TV shows in this stud cast because I really want to focus on these two Harley matches in, mm. in both these territories. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give the result of the matches on this card. We just announced and uh, finished maybe with the description of the Texas death match. We'll go into detail about that last match, the one with Harley. So David Schultz and Eddie Mansfield, they beat Terry Gibbs and Ken Lucas in the opening tag match. Mike Graham regained his United States uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship belt. He won over Kevin Sullivan. Crusher Blackwell and Dick Slater won, outright won the Southeastern Tag Championship belts from Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr., who had been champions for months. Ronnie Garvin won the Southeastern title match by disqualification over Russian Alexis Smirnoff. Well, you know, when uh, Malenko, obviously, he couldn't keep himself out of the ring. He entered the ring, and he got Smirnoff disqualified. Mm-hmm. But Smirnoff kept the belt, so Garvin didn't leave with the belt. The fabulous Malou won her world title match over Winona Lillard. Wow, what matches that Moolah had. She was oh, she was so mean. I would have hated to wrestle her. I watched her matches and I go, wow, my God, she's she just pulverized those poor ladies. And she trained almost all those women that yeah. became wrestlers and, for her. And as we alluded to earlier, became uh, a, a, eventually became a Hall of Famer. All right, so th- that really sounds like a big night so far, Stud, with Two titles changing hands, but what happened in the Texas death match between you and the legendary Harley race? Well, let's start a little differently into this, uh, just so everybody remembers what happened in the world title match six days earlier uh, between Harley and I. Let's start with that. Uh, Obviously, it was stopped because it was so bloody. 
And this one was going to be similar in, in that in that regard, you know. Uh, so when you had these cuts, uh, you know, for less than a week earlier, uh, you know, uh, and and you don't heal up that well. You don't get well. Those cuts don't heal well. And then, and then you're going to be in a Texas death match six days later. Uh, you're going to start bleeding again. And both of us did during the course of this match. Uh, we were already bloody because we were so bloody six days earlier. So I went to the back of the Coliseum about uh, three matches, um, and I pulled a giant black curtain back just to see what the crowd looked like, uh, you know, because I was really concerned about this Thursday night thing, not being a world championship. I was astounded, man. It looked as big as the huge crowd six nights earlier. I had a feeling that Harley, who was in a separate dressing room, he probably did the same thing, especially when we, we never got the chance to even talk about uh, what we're going to do in this match. So uh, it was kind of a strange deal, uh, but I'm sure he went and looked too, and I'm sure he was extremely surprised to see that kind of crowd out there. So when we entered the ring, man, the crowd was electric. It was like it had we had just picked up where we left off the following the previous Friday. Uh, you know, crowd started off just as loud as they had finished six days earlier. Uh, we went about 45 minutes, I think, probably somewhere in that area. Uh, we maybe had as many as 20 pinfalls in this Texas death match. And, uh, and in Texas death rules, uh, after the pin, there was a 30-second rest period, and then you had a 10 count to get to your feet. So the fans, man, had to be about as exhausted as they were, as we were, you know, because uh, they never sat down for the last 15 minutes of the match. They were just standing up. Nobody was sitting down. So about 40 minutes in, we were covered with blood again. And uh, and when he got he got another pin on me, and then uh, d- during the rest period, I asked the referee to find out from Harley. Uh, how, how we were going to do this, how we were going to finish this match. Mm-hmm. We hadn't even talked about it. Mm-hmm. And the referee came back. Uh, he had a seven-word answer saying basically real quick, he says, he says, Harley says, you'll know when you see it. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when he when it came time uh, for, for us to go on and finish the match, uh, he hit me with a suplex and put, he gave me a really su- big suplex right in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. Then he went up on the top rope and he came off, man, with one of those patented diving head, headbutts. Put both of his, on the, standing on the top rope, he put both of his hands down to his side. Yeah. And here he came, diving head first, man. <laughs> and his head crashed in the, right into the side of my head. Uh, and uh, he covered me. Obviously, he got the three count. And uh, and then he backed away. You know, there was a 30-second rest period to, to see if I was going to be able to get up. And, mm-hmm. I, and I laid there, man, flat on my back, assuming that this was the finish of the match. Oh. That, you know, that uh, he's just going to stand out there, and I'm not going to be able to get up. Yeah. But uh, instead, he went outside the ring. He went to the announcer's table. Where Phil Rainey, who was the TV commentator and the TV announcer, he was also the announcer at the Coliseum. Uh, Phil Rainey, when he saw him coming toward the table, he took off running. <laughs> Phil was scared of everybody, and he just took off running from Harley. 
and Harley got to the table and he just took one hand and he there was a bell that sat on the table there. It was that bell weighed probably forty pounds. Harley took one hand and he just swiped that off the table and went across the concrete floor into the front row ringside. Mm. And uh, and then he came back in the ring. And uh, about that point, the 30-second rest period was over. And Phil Rainey ran to where the bell was. He didn't bring the bell back to the table. He just rang the bell for the 30, end of the 30-second rest period <laughs> out there by the ringsiders. And then, uh, obviously, the referee began the 10 count. And, uh, and the match would be over if I didn't get to my feet, obviously. And, uh, and I never got a chance to try to get up. Harley drugged me. I was still laying on my back. He drug me over to where the table was, and he pulled me out, and uh, he stood on the table, and he picked me up, and he body slammed me on the table. With my head was in the middle of the table, and my legs were hanging off one end of the table. And, uh, wow, then he stood there for a second. He paused, standing over top of me, and uh, and then he Suddenly, the crowd realized about the same time I did where he was going. And uh, you could hear the horror building in the audience, man, because he slowly started climbing the ropes in that corner of the ring. And he went directly up on the top rope mm. right above me. Mm. And, uh, and there he went. He, he stood up straight again. He put his arms to his side, and he dived head first, man, straight for my head. And I'm laying on that table. Wow. So I knew if he hit me like that, uh, we're both going to get hurt. And so, you know, and he didn't say anything about getting off the table, but I did. I rolled off the table and he went head first through that table. It exploded. The table exploded in the middle, broke in half. And all I could see was Harley Race's body of his body was his legs sticking straight up in the air, man. It was uh, maybe the loudest pop I had ever heard in my career. Wow. Uh, fans had never seen, and no one had ever seen anything like that. I had never seen anything like that either. So I rolled back in the ring and I drug myself up uh, using the ropes to help me get back onto my feet. The ref counted him out outside the ring, and then they started the 30 second rest period. And, uh, and the only things moving inside that table. The only parts of his body you could see was his legs sticking out the top of the table. He couldn't get out of the table. He was he was pinned in it. And the rest period ended. The referee counted to 10. Uh, he raised my hand, and wow, the roof came off the building, man. Wow. So now you knew. Now we all know what he meant by you'll know it when you see it. So that yeah. <laughs> that is not the first time I've heard you describe that, but – I've never, I never get tired of hearing it. It's so much fun to hear about these legendary events. You could honestly say you had beaten Harley Race, and not many men could say that, Ron. <laughs> well, uh, that's probably true, man. Uh, so you know, and, and but, but I think honestly, to be honest with you, Dave, it wasn't really me that beat the beat that and beat him. It was the table, man, and that <laughs> head first dive through it, man. That's what really beat Harley. Wow, what a great night of wrestling. What, what about the attendance that night? Thursday night in May of 79, you had doubts about a Thursday night, and you looked behind the curtain to check it out. So what, what did you see? Well, man, it was a remarkable 5,000-plus, man. Again, it was 5,400 
on the match, the world championship match uh, with raised prices the week before. But it came back with 5,000 people to see this Texas death match, plus the rest of the card, which wow. was a darn good card. Uh, and the, the bad part about it, Dave, would, it, this was going to be the last 5,000-plus crowd to see a wrestling match in that Coliseum or any other venue in Knoxville for almost six years. Wow. Are you kidding? I mean, after you had made such legendary strides in so many years building that, literally building that market, wrestling in the southeastern Knoxville territory was going to drop off in attendance that bad. That is so hard to believe. During the, because of the Knoxville War? Yeah, yes. Wow. Yes, I mean, wow. uh, devastation is going to come to uh, one of the best little best little territory maybe ever in the history of wrestling. Uh, it's going to, uh, over the next months, die, basically begin to die, and uh, it's not going to come back. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Basically, the, the Knoxville War is going to put an end to it. Uh, five months later, uh, I'm going to sell the territory. Uh, the first buyers of the territory from me is going to be the Georgia promoters, who was uh, Jim Barnett and uh, and uh, Fred Ward out of the out of Columbus, Georgia, and uh, then they're not going to have any success there. They're going to sell the business to Ric Flair and Blackjack Mulligan. Mm. They're going to have their own company, and they're going to fail there. So the Coliseum's not going to see another sellout for wrestling until six years later in 1985 when I come back again with Continental Championship Wrestling. Wow. All right, this has already been an amazing stud cast. And after the break, we have another, another of those tremendous Harley race matches. The next night, 500 miles south in the southeastern Gulf Coast Territory. That is coming up when this Studcast continues. Okay, Studcast fans, Ron is at it again. He's making another appearance this weekend, Friday, May 19th, 2023, in Harriman, Tennessee, as part of a spectacular wrestling event called Harriman Heat at the Harriman High School. He's going to be doing TV commentary with his old friend, Dr. Tom Pritchard. The event features some of the great new stars in the sport. The doors open at 530, and he'll be there when the doors open for a meet and greet with fans from the Knoxville area. Hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. All kinds of souvenirs. 8x10 photos, your cell phone photos with the stud, his new t-shirts, southeastern t-shirts, and his novel, Brutus, autographed for a special sale price. Don't miss your chance to meet the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. And don't forget, this Saturday on his YouTube Southeastern Rewind channel, he will release another very popular Ask the Stud question and answer show number five. Don't miss it. All right, Studcast fans, welcome back. One of these last two matches in May of 1979 with the NWA World Champion Harley Race was highlighted in the first part of this very special Studcast. So now we are in the Southeastern Gulf Coast Territory where fans there were about to get their only NWA world title match with Harley Race. So we're talking about the Dothan card for Friday, May 25th, 1979, as we get into the second half of this stud cast. Stud? 
Well, before I get to that card, Dave, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit for what's to come in this uh, second historic match with Harley Race. And and I have been talking about uh, the three phases that Louis Tillette, uh, who was my Gulf Coast booker down there, and I had had in mind uh, how we wanted to build the Hulk and uh, make a superstar out of it. So we've already passed phase one, and I've talked about it before. Phase one was getting him over as a heel. In spite of his having practically no matches prior to his arrival into this Gulf Coast territory, he had probably had maybe 10 matches, at, at, if that. So uh, we decided, Louie and I, that his finish hole should be a bear hug because he had this huge body, man, and he was obviously extremely powerful. So then we, in phase one, we accentuated the devastation of that hole. And uh, we did that by having several of his opponents bleed from the mouth when he put them in the bear hug. And so in the phase two of our plan uh, to turn Hulk was to turn him babyface. Uh, but it, we had to wait till we got the right heel for him to work with. Because it wouldn't make sense to, to him uh, to be a babyface, but he don't have any rivals that even look similar to him. So, wow, at this point, along came that six foot, six inch, 330 pound, horribly <laughs> scary ox baker, man. <laughs> and uh, wow, that accomplished that feat. There's his, there's his opponent, man. And, uh, and, and it's going to be another guy that's going to be here at the same time. It's the same thing. So now it was the time for phase three. And that was the actual turn from baby face to from heel to baby face. And it was so extremely uh, critical. These When you switch to baby face uh, or to heel or a heel to baby face, wow, it had to work. If it didn't, you may ruin the guy. You may He may never get over. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, then he'll never be a good uh, an asset to your company as yeah. a wrestler again. Yeah. So this one, not only was we going to turn him babyface, but we had something in mind that had a special twist to it that was going to even add more impact to this turn on this night. So on this card, on Friday night, May the 25th, 1979, Dothan, Alabama, was going to involve not only me, but the NWA world champion Harley Race, and it was going to lead to an all-time record crowd in that market two months after this night. Uh, it just got over tremendously, man. Well, to me, it's pretty obvious why you've called this studcast two huge Harley matches, because they have historic significance, no doubt. It's leading to something even bigger, though, isn't it, Stud? Yeah, it certainly is, man. You know, I, I think this second match, this actually could have been one of the greatest nights for wrestling fans in the sports history. Really, uh, this this was an unbelievable night for all those people that crammed the, the farm center. Uh, and, you know, and great bookers, man, uh, they cherish these opportunities like this, man, to blow fans' minds especially during a world title event. You got a world title event, you got a full building, and you do something that nobody had ever seen. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime chance to have a wrestler do something no fan could have ever expected or dreamed could happen. 
So we're going to make this an overnight sensation out of a steel green rookie in the sport, man. (laughs) A guy that uh, just had a big body. But, uh, wow, we're going to make a big star out of him. Wow. So so remember in the last podcast, I won the match with the Hulk. We wrestled on a Thursday night in Dothan, a very rare Thursday night preceding this event. And we were wrestling in against him to see who was going to get the shot at Harley mm-hmm. uh, in the Gulf Coast Territory on this night in May. And uh, so uh, now let's talk about this historic card. The first match on this card was going to change the territory forever. Uh, that doesn't sound possible, but it actually is a fact. Uh, it, a, we brought in an unknown talent, a heel, who had never been seen in the Gulf Coast territory before. Uh, he was, a, at this point in his life, a young, very young and talented wrestler. Uh, he was going to fall in love with the city of Pensacola. He was going to make it his home for many years. And uh, Roy Lee Welch was going to be wrestling for the first time ever seen in Southeast Austin Idol on this card, World Championship Night. Herb Calvert had to be, you know, he had proven to the Southeastern fans that wrestling was legitimate, man. He beat every one of the guys that had challenged him over the last three months in the territory uh, from the crowd. And, uh, and But in this match, he was going to meet the most dangerous opponent in his career. Ox Baker was making his second appearance in Dothan on this card in the second match. And then the Southeastern Championship match, the champion Ron Slinker was defending. No disqualification match against Gladiator, who was managed by Billy Spears. Uh, then we, uh, the Continental, the Southeastern Gulf Coast belt, was going to be on the line uh, with a combination of uh, teams that fans never seem to get tired of seeing these two teams wrestle each other. You had the gigantic Samoans managed by Billy Spears, and they were defending once again against this extremely popular team of Ricky Fields and Terry Latham. Uh, they loved them. Fans in the, in the Gulf Coast loved those two guys. Then the Continental Wrestling Federation champion, Thunderbolt Patterson, was going to be defending against the Hulk, Terry Boulder, managed by Billy Spears. Mm. The main event is for the NWA World Championship Harley race against me. Wow. That's another fantastic card right there, Ryan. That had to be one of the best Southeastern Gulf Coast cards maybe ever. I know we're not going to go like normal with the format, but and we'll and we'll not hear about the TV card promoting this. But honestly, after hearing this card, I'm ready to dive right into this historic night. So, what happened May 25th, 1979? Well, Southeastern fans, man, got their first taste of Austin Idol as a heel. Uh, you know, he's going to become a tremendous babyface later on. But he came in as a heel, and uh, they're seeing this guy for the first time. And uh, and so did a young Hulk. And, and I bring that up because I'm not sure how many fans know this, but later on in uh, Terry Terry's career, in the Hulk's career, he admitted to stealing some of his wrestling embellishments from Austin Idol, such as, you know, when he used to hold his hand up to his ears, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then to use his other hand to wave the response from the crowd. Yeah. Uh, he got that from Austin Idol. He wow. saw Austin Idol do that that night, in fact. And then he he uh, he took the name uh, Hulkamania from Idol, who had already long before Hulkamania ever became 
that <laughs> popular. It was Idolmania. Wow. Long before it was Hulkamania. I never put those two together, Stud. So it's amazing what fans can learn from these Studcasts. So how about that first match? How did it go? Well, I have to admit, Dave, I didn't normally watch many matches, but on this night I did. I was curious how Idol, you know, and, and Idol and I had gone back of many, many years uh, in time uh, to the Florida Territory. When I started there in 70, he was just finishing in high school, uh, him and Mike Graham. And, uh, you know, I was curious how Idol was going to get over. Uh, and he didn't disappoint either me or the fans, man. He beat Roy Lee right in the middle of the ring. He used his favorite finish, the figure four leg lock, and uh, and then he jumped up and he got his hand raised and immediately he put his hand up to his ear, man, and he rave, raised wave with his other hand, you know, for the fans to give <laughs> him their reaction, <laughs> and and he went to all four sides of the ring to get the reaction, and boy did he get it, <laughs> even though even though it was the first time there when fans normally didn't respond at all for a person's first match in the, in the first match of the night, they booed him as if he'd been there forever, man. They hated him instantly. <laughs> no. So, and then the second match was just as good. It was only, uh, you know, Hawks Baker's second appearance in Dothan, but the fans responded to him and Billy Spears coming down to the ring uh, wow, just when they came out of the old back of the building, and it was so packed, it was like that Andre event. You couldn't, people were standing everywhere, all the way back to the walls. And when they came out of the dressing room, uh, you would have thought Adolf Hitler was coming to the ring. I mean, wow, they were booing him so badly. And Ox had his fist taped, uh, which he was reminding fans of his heart punch. He taped his fist every match. And, and they had yet to see him do anything like that. They hadn't seen him use it, you know, but he had his fist already taped. And then Herb Calvert, man, uh, as good as Herb was, and uh, he was a great shooting wrestler, but uh, he was no match, obviously, for a heel like uh, Ox Baker. And, uh, wow, that match uh, turned out to be, uh, you know, he didn't have a chance of handling Ox Baker, and, uh, and it just made Ox look that much better because uh, – uh, Herb had such a uh, legitimacy, man. So the third match was the first of four championship matches on this card. Ron Slinker, Southeastern champion, got a warm welcome from the fans. And and uh, and Spears and, the, uh, and his gladiator, who he was wrestling against, obviously got booed. This match was a no disqualification match. It ended up with both guys getting counted out for fighting on the floor. Uh, they got in a fight out there. They never got back into the kit, into the ring on a 10 count. The referee stopped the match. Uh, Billy Spears and his Samoans, the Southeastern Tag Champions, they successfully defeated Ricky Fields and Terry Latham again. Crowd didn't seem to care, man. You know, uh, once the Samoans and Spears got back toward the dressing room and uh, Ricky Fields and Terry Latham uh, got up and hugged each other, this building stood up. It's like, wow, these guys, they they can't. The crowd just wouldn't turn on them, man. They loved them. So then the next match, I watched the match. That entire, the next match from the beginning of it to the end. It was Thunderbolt Patterson defending his Continental Wrestling Federation belt against the Hulk, managed by Billy Spears. And uh, Billy Spears, the week before, had cost uh, the Hulk his world title shot. Uh, when he was wrestling me 
and uh, and the Hulk had a problem in that that uh, match the week before, and it run Spears back to the dressing room during the course of the match with me. Spears left because the Hulk was mad at him. Uh, then uh, so the referee, you know, was down uh, in that match. Hulk got me in his bear hug, and uh, and I was beat. Hulk was going to get the shot at uh, at uh, Harley. But uh, then Spears uh, returned to the ring. He came down to the ring again. He, for- he forced Hulk to drop me, and he-, and he said, bring him over here and put him in a full Nelson. And Billy had something on his fist he was going to use to to put me out with, uh, which he didn't even need to do. Hulk was going to beat me. He had me in his hole. So Hulk, uh, he-, he complied to what Billy said. He dropped me, put me in a full Nelson. And when Spears took the shot, I ducked and he hits Hulk. And uh, I covered the Hulk, got my hand raised. And uh, I was the guy that was supposed to wrestle Harley Race the very next match after this one. Wow. So uh, so, so I was now watching this match because Patterson and the Hulk, I watched it really closely. I had spent the last six weeks wrestling the Hulk at least three times a week in the southeastern Gulf Coast Territory. I was trying to teach him as much as possible, as fast as possible. And this match was a really good test for the Hulk. Patterson was a had been in the business a long time, was a great baby face. And at the end of this match, it ended similar to my match with the Hulk from the week before. The referee got not this knocked down this time. He got knocked completely out of the ring. And the Hulk put his bear hug on Patterson. And Spears made another mistake. Uh, had the Hulk bring him over. He, he didn't do it. Almost the same type of deal again. And uh, Patterson ended up getting a, a, a pin on the, on the Hulk. Uh, so, wow, it was just like a – so uh, at, as soon as the match was over, the fans were – they were a little bit siding with Hulk already, you know, because, wow, Billy Spears, you're just messing up. Uh, you're not giving him a chance. Mm-hmm. So – I was watching the end of it, and uh, I was still watching. After Patterson, uh, you know, and the referee left the ring, the Hulk was furious, man, with Spears this time. And Billy didn't run fast enough this time. The Hulk grabbed him, and he put Billy Spears in his bear hook. And that building exploded. I mean, they were ready for Billy Spears. He had more heat than probably any heel in the territory. So Hulk put him in the bear hook, and everybody in that building was on their feet. So there he was, Hulk had Spears dangling, his arms were dangling there by his body, and uh, and the two big, huge Samoans started coming, running to the ring, mm-hmm. saved their manager, right? All right. Hulk saw him coming, and they dropped Billy, and uh, he met them both as they started coming in the ring, and while he was kicking butt, and that building was going crazy, uh, and he, you know, he, he was, he was, he was uh, getting the job done. But then Ox Baker sneaked down there, got in behind him. He didn't see him coming, hmm. and he hit him from behind. Uh, about that time, uh, Billy Spears was getting back up to his feet. And uh, and then the three of them held the Hulk, and Spears used that object that he was going to hit Patterson with. He hit the Hulk with it. He busted him open. So Hulk began to bleed, man, and I'm standing there watching it, you know, and all of a sudden, man, every eye in the house is on me, like, what are you going to do, right? So so I here I went, you know. I went to help the Hulk, man, and uh, 
and he was down, and I fought all four of them hmm. uh, and did pretty good and held my own for a little bit, uh, knocked Spears out of the ring. And I had both the Samoans on the mat, and then uh, Ox Baker hit me from behind. I went down, and he picked me up, and he wrapped my left arm behind me. He reached around behind me and got my hand with his left hand, and, uh, and then his chest was right up to my chest. Uh, I had one mm -hmm. arm trapped behind me. Mm -hmm. Left side of my upper body, man, was wide open to him, man. And he reared back, and uh, he hit me, man, with that big old tape fist right in the heart, man. Wow. And uh, it, uh, I'd, I'd seen it, ha I'd seen it done before, but mm -hmm. it was nothing like feeling it. <laughs> wow. So Ox Baker hits you with the heart punch, a move that was partially blamed for the heart attacks of two wrestlers that died after matches with him. And, and his, his, after he did that to them, I mean, what was it like for you? Well, uh, you know, it was like, uh, I briefly lost consciousness. I went black <sighs> and the building man, uh, and the building went silent, you know, uh, I, 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 I captured that thought of like every the building was standing up and all of a sudden they went silent. I dropped on face first on my right side. I didn't land uh, on my back. I landed face first on the mat and the, and the Hulk, by this point, he was back up, uh, and he was bleeding, and and he went after all three of them, you know. And uh, the damage was done at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Baker mm -hmm. had hit me with the, the with his best deal, man, and I yeah. was down. And I'm supposed to be wrestling Harley Race <sighs> five minutes later, yeah, right. So uh, they they ran from the ring. They did. They just took off. They had done what they needed to do, mm -hmm. and uh, so. Uh, several other baby faces came down to the ring, uh, Latham and, uh, and, you know, uh, Slinker and, uh, 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 several of them came down and, uh, and the Hulk pushed them all back from the ring and he pulled me over to the edge of the ring and he picked me up in his arms, man. I'll never forget this. Like I was a baby and he carried me back to the dressing room through that throng of fans that and a, a much of them had rushed the ring when all this went on. It was like it took five minutes, it seemed like, for him to get me back to the dressing room, carrying me like a baby. So the main event for the NWA world title was next, you know, uh, but I wasn't able to go there. I couldn't go mm. wrestle. And uh, mm. so the bell rang for the world title match. Harley came down to the ring with a belt, with his belt. And uh, obviously he stood back there and watched what had happened. He'd seen what was what went on, you know, so. uh and there was nobody in the ring but him. He was there alone. And the announcer uh, asked him, if, uh, you know, what did he want to do about this? You know, uh, Harley, uh, you, you don't have an opponent here. Uh, what do you want to do about this? So uh, Harley took the microphone and he announced to the crowd. And I could hear this in the dressing room. Because in the old farm center, you could hear the, the that great speaker, man. The uh, audio was super in that building. And he took the microphone and announced to the crowd that he'd wrestle anyone that I chose to replace me for the belt. So although uh, Hulk's standing over there, he's still bleeding. Uh, I said, uh, take the kid. Send the Hulk. <laughs> and uh, when the Hulk turned the corner coming out of that dressing room, you know how that building was, 
you couldn't see him till he got to the edge of the concession area up in that front of the building. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he came visible to that crowd, the roof came off that building, man. Uh, so Harley watched him come all the way down to the ring. The people were going crazy. And Harley got out of the ring and he took his belt back to the dressing room. <laughs> all right. So I can't believe I was not there that night. So fill us in. What happened next? Well, Harley returned to the ring without his belt, and he got the microphone again, and he refused. He said, I'll wrestle him, but I won't defend my belt against him. So the crowd exploded with booze, you know. So uh, Hulk got the microphone, and I could hear what the Hulk was saying. And he said to Harley, he said something similar to, you know, you don't have to wrestle me for your belt. You know, he says, because when I beat you tonight, then uh, you're going to have to defend against me. And then I'm going to be the next world heavyweight champion. And wow, he got a big pop, man. So, hmm. so I, boy, Harley attacked him. The bell rang, and here they went. Uh, I listened to the roar of the building at uh, this match went on, man. Uh, and the Hulk got his first match with the NWA world champion. That building exploded again and again and again. And then on the end of this, Hulk got Harley in his bear hug. <laughs> Uh, Harley refused to give up. Uh, he would not give up. Wow. And uh, and then the crowd was going crazy, man. It was just unbelievable. And uh, so the referee raised his hand, and uh, Harley's hand uh, stayed up there. He raised his hand and stayed up there. Harley finally passed out. He couldn't. He couldn't. God. He would never quit, but he passed out. And the referee had to raise his hand three times. It dropped, and he rang the bell. Wow. And he raised the Hulk's hand. Wow. All right. So how did you do on the crowd that night in Dothan, Alabama? It had to be a big, big night. Well, it was right up there. Like I said, it was it was about the exact same size of the Andre crowd from three weeks earlier. Uh, it was totally packed all the way from back of ringside, the standing room only, to, to both the ends of the building. Uh, and, uh, all the tickets, all the standing room, only tickets were gone. Everything was gone. They turned away thousands, who knows how many fans. Uh, and so it was right at 6,000. It was a little, I think it was 5,800, just below that 6,000 figure that had been there three weeks ago to mm-hmm. see Andre in the hall. And I hate to say it, but, uh, this card, if this card had taken place in Mobile, Mm-hmm. In that big old municipal auditorium that they had in Mobile, mm-hmm. I think we would have probably drawn 15,000 fans that night wow. in Mobile uh, area. If that building had been larger, we'd have probably drawn 10,000 in that building. <laughs> wow. So so I want to finish this one, Dave. Uh, you know, with something special to say about Harley. Uh, he finished these two back-to-back matches, bloody in both of them. Uh he lost both of them, uh, you know, and, and he did all that to build business for the future, man. Uh, in my opinion, he may well have been the greatest NWA champion of all time. You know, I, who could, who could question you on that? That's a wonderful way to end this run. And what a m- remarkable studcast this has been. I can't believe it's over. It seems like it only lasted half as long as usual. It truly was two historic Harley race matches. And those are the ones that I just, man, I tap into those 
and I love hearing these stories. Sorry, but we're not going to have time for a learning tree question this this week again. But I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed by that after what we just heard. So where are we going to be riding in studcast number 300? Can you believe that? Next week, studcast number 300. What are you going to do about that, stud? Well, man, uh, we're going to move, man, into the first week of June 1979. Uh, number 300. It's going to begin with something that happened in this stud cast. Uh, but, uh, you know, but I wanted to focus on the Harley matches in this one first. Uh, and uh, this we didn't talk about, basically, uh, in the stud cast because I didn't want to take the focus off for of Harley. But next week, on on this same day that uh, I had wrestled Harley the night before in the Texas death match in Knoxville, uh, I had Bob Roop. I called Bob Roop up and I said, come to my house. Uh, and I was basically at this point done with his horrible booking, man. The small crowds. He had a really nasty attitude. And I fired Bob Roop in my house immediately as the booker for my Knoxville territory. As the booker. As the booker. As right. the booker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had I have a soft heart, so I did not say I, I gave him a two week notice, which was what you normally did if you were a decent promoter mm-hmm. and you had to let a guy go. You know, I said uh, you got two weeks here, and that's it. Uh, then you'll be gone. So, so we're going to talk about that this next week. Uh, you know about that whole situation, and I also found out from one of my best friends in the business, who was working the territory at this time, uh, uh, what was going on and what was coming in regards to the Knoxville territory. So I, and I think that happened the, the following day, just about to be honest with you. So in the next studcast, I'm going to name a new booker. Uh, I'm going to prepare myself to see how many wrestlers from the present crew are even going to show up for this June 1st, uh, 1979 card, first night card in June mm-hmm. in uh, Knoxville. So, wow. and as bad as things were in Tennessee, Southeastern Gulf Coast continued, man, its rampage the next week. They had a new baby face. Wow, was he over. Terry the Hulk Boulder, man, took over. And he had all kinds of heels to contend with. And, you know, not just Ox Baker and the Samoans. He had Now he had Austin Idol. <laughs> I mean, the match in this stud cast between the Hulk and Harley, it was going to draw. Uh, and, and the next time they wrestled, which was going to be almost exactly two months later, mm-hmm. they're going to wrestle in Dothan again. But we're not going to put it in the farm center. It's not big enough. Nor would the Civic Center downtown have been big enough. We took it to the football stadium, high school football stadium, mm-hmm. to get all the people that was going to want to see the Hulk Russell Harley race for the NWA World Championship. Wow. Then maybe sooner or later, Dave, uh, if we keep working at it, we're <laughs> going to get to another learning tree question. Hey, those are always good, but it's hard to beat a stud cast like this when you dig so deep and you really drill down and you're talking about the legendary Harley race and then the up-and-coming guy we would know as Hulk Hogan. All right, Ron, any final thoughts on this stud cast? Yeah, man, I do have something a little different than usual to say, Dave. I put a lot of time and thought 
basically into every stud cast. And I want to make everybody out there, uh, you know, I want to make all of them special, every stud cast. I, well, I want them all to be special. And I don't consider these stud casts to be in work. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to me, man, to pass along the knowledge and experience, man, that I acquired in my 18 years in professional wrestling. Uh, this is this this is a thrill for me, man. This stud cast has been a special one for me because it involves not just any wrestler, but a man that was much more important than that to me. And hopefully, and I'm sure he was, I can tell that you feel that same way about him. He mm -hmm. was something special, man, uh, to everybody that ever watched him. So as we move forward uh, from this point on with this story of my family and my resting life, uh, the, the stud guest, uh, Harley Race, is going to have a small part uh, in these future stud casts. Uh, and I say small because he's 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 had a tremendous run as a world champion, and he's very close to that end of that run. We're not going to have many more Harley opportunities. So we lost, man, uh, one of the greatest athletes and human beings in the history of the sport when he went. And, uh, and I'm honored to have had the opportunity to do this special stud cast in his remembrance, man. I hope everyone has enjoyed it. Uh, it has honestly been my pleasure. Please take care of yourselves and others, and may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud. LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic stud cast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.